Welcome to Word Processing, a resource of Oak Ridge Bible Chapel. Listen in as we discuss issues of God, His Word, and His people. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Word Processing. My name is Andrew, I'm one of the pastors at Oak Ridge Bible Chapel, and I'm joined with the other pastor, Josiah. Josiah, it's great to see you. Great to see you as well. We're here today uh, talking on the podcast, as we always do, about God's Word. And today we're going to be looking at one of those um, words that we use a lot in the church. One of those words that I think sometimes we use without even fully understanding or realizing the implications of what we're saying. I think it's sometimes even a word that different people have different things they mean by it when they say the word. The word we're going to talk about today is calling. We're not talking about the phone, uh, but we're talking about God's call, God's call for us as individuals, as believers, as the church. What does it mean to be called? Are we all called? Hopefully through this discussion, Josiah, we can get a little more clarity on at least what we mean at Oak Ridge when we talk about calling and what it looks like to be called and to pursue God's calling in our life. So thank you for sitting down with me on this topic. No, it's good. And this is a good exercise in understanding a very biblical theme, a very biblical idea, but sometimes in the church, it morphs and gets a mind of its own, and we start using it in undisciplined ways, and so Mm -hmm. it's good to once in a while open the Bible and kind of reorient ourselves to the way the Bible uses a word like that, just to make sure, even in my own life, am I using it in the right way with the right expectations? And consistently holding to it as well. excellent. Yeah, consistently as well. I want to use it uh, in a consistent manner, not only consistently in the way that I use it over time, but also consistent with the way that God uses it. Mm -hmm. And I think part of the reason that I kind of approach this topic is in one of our Sunday school classes, back when we were able to have them before this current lockdown, you mentioned a couple different points or words or topics when we were looking at the book of Acts, where there's words that we use kind of lazily sometimes or use without fully appreciating what they mean or what the implication is theologically when we use words like the kingdom of God. We need to be really clear what we're talking about with the kingdom of God. I mean, we'll save that for another podcast, but because there is so many different understandings of what the kingdom of God is and looks like within different realms of Christianity, different doctrines, different theologies. And I think the same is true of callings. So we want to be really clear today. So I'm wondering if just to start us off, Josiah, you can give us what is a a biblical definition of calling? How are we describing and defining calling today? The Bible uses it in a number of different ways, some of which are not in the scope of our conversation today, I'm sure. almost sure. The Bible uses calling in a way as to make sounds like ravens call. They're sure. Calling like that, which is, I know is we're not what we're, not, we're, ta- what <laughs> I mean, we're talking about today. we can go today. that direction if you want to. <laughs> uh, It'd be a different podcast. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, it uses also uh, to name something, and he called it the day, and he called it day. So giving, uh, assigning a title to. Right. Uh, to seek help, like Jonah called from the belly of the fish. He called oh, yeah. out for help to God. Reaching out. Uh, the Bible also uses the word to talk about salvation. I think that's getting closer to what we want to talk about today. Uh, God called Israel to be his people, and he hmm. calls us to believe in Jesus and to be his disciples. Uh, this we might call the calling. You know, we might call it the calling. Mm-hmm. It's the, the overarching call under which we try to explore our personal callings. And I think that's where our conversation will go today. Mm-hmm. It's under the umbrella of this greater call that we have smaller callings uh, that are facets of the sal- salvation and contribute to salvation, like the call to unity in the body of Christ. We're sure. called to that. 
the call to submission, the call to mortify sin, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. These are things underneath the grand call to salvation, the grand call to follow Christ, to believe in Christ. Um, they're no less potent, but they are underneath that grand calling. I think we need to understand those two differently. So really, calling is a, a weighty invitation from God to humanity, and more particularly to his people. And so, yeah, in a way, we are called. All of us are called. Mm -hmm. uh, all people are called to be image bearers of God. All people are called to work. All people are called to trust Christ. Uh, those who do that are called to grow in maturity and faithfulness, grace and truth. And so there's a big calling. And then there are individual manifestations or working out, workings out of the, that calling as well. So would you say, at least when it comes corporately, but probably even individually as well, is it, it has to do with a, an invitation to obedience in some way. God is, is offering us an opportunity to choose to follow him in the way that he wants to be followed. And it's, that's the, the invitation that we have is to be obedient to that quote unquote calling. I think so, particularly for believers mm -hmm. who have trusted Christ, which is the primary calling to be reconciled to a holy God through faith in the mediator the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ, once we have been reconciled to a holy God, and then he calls us to certain activities underneath that new identity in Christ. We're now new cre creatures. The old has passed away, the new has come. Now what? Now how do we live? And there are callings underneath that new reality. Hmm. So then by that definition, as you say, as human beings, we are all called to something. And as believers, we are called to, to something more. And then as individuals, we have our own perhaps calling within that as well. So I guess that's kind of where my next question is, is how would you or would you differentiate between an individual's personal calling and what we are then called to as believers? Do you think individuals have specific things that they are called to that are different than the, the body as a whole? Or is that maybe a misnomer that gets tossed around in the church? Yeah, we want to be disciplined again in how we think. We know that the whole is obviously com comprised of parts. Mm -hmm. And so if we as a body of Christ are called to make disciples of all nations, Matthew 28, which we are called to do, then certainly me as an individual member of that body is also called to make disciples and evangelize the lost. Sure. If the whole is called, then certainly me as a member, I am likewise called. Now, are some individuals called to specific tasks? And that's kind of your mm -hmm. question. Are some of us called to things that the whole is not called to. So to use the example, I think where this gets used, at least in the circles I've been a part of most, has to do with a call to ministry, uh, whether that's pastoral, vocational, missional, whatever that looks like. We talk about it like feeling or being called to ministry or called to pastor is the where I think of it the most often. And certainly we have to affirm that that's true. Ephesians 4 is very clear that God set some people apart as gifts to the church and they were called as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And then they were equipped to fulfill that particular calling. And we see in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Peter 4, that we are all uniquely equipped to serve the body of Christ by God's grace and with his power, with our spiritual gifts, we might call them. Mm -hmm. And whereas the manifestation of the spirit in your life will be different than mine, we are called to the unity in the body, to serve the body, to the building up of the body of Christ, to the, the ministry of, of grace. We are called to that similarly. The way we go about that will be slightly different according hmm. to how we are equipped to do that and in the different opportunities we're given to play that out. And so we do have these grand callings, but then we do have smaller, more unique manifestations of that calling in each of our lives. 
So going back to, I guess, what you said there, I think Paul's illustration of the body and the different body parts probably, I think, fits this picture quite well of, you know, each as each individual part of the body, we have our own tasks or, or giftings or skills that we are created for. Mm-hmm. But all of that is within the context of the fact that when we are together, we are the body of Christ working together for one purpose. For sure. And I think another example would be, let's take it away from the realm of the local church for a moment. Mm -hmm. Just by virtue of the fact that we are married and have children, we are called by God to be husbands and fathers. Mm. And that is undeniable. And God is not silent on how we should carry out that calling. He has expectations and guidelines on how to be godly fathers and godly husbands. At the same time, the way that you are a husband to Natasha and a parent to your daughter is going to be slightly different than the way I am a husband to Patricia and a parent to my kids. Same grand calling, but the way we play those out will be uniquely different because the unique circumstances and the people we're involved with are different. And so again, at the macro level, yes, there is shared calling. At the micro level, at the personal level, there are differences. Well, what a great example then too of like, we are both called to be husbands because we are married men. And our wives are called to be wives Mm -hmm. because they are, you know, we have very similar and yet different callings even within the the marriage and household structure. Yeah, sometimes we get the cart before the horse a little bit. Am I called? Therefore, I should do this. Sometimes we find ourselves in a circumstance or in a relationship. Guess what? You're called. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter if you feel called or not. That relationship is upon you. You're called. Doesn't matter if you feel like you should be part of a local church. If you're a believer, you are part of the body of Christ. You're called to be Mm -hmm. a part of the body of Christ. It doesn't matter what you feel like or not. If you feel called to that, like at that point, your emotions attached, your acceptance, your affirmation in your heart or however you want to define that is really irrelevant. Mm -hmm. You are this. You are a human being. You are an image bearer of God. If you have trusted Christ, you are a disciple. You are, your identity has changed. That's set in stone. You don't get to decide that. And with that comes some callings that we are either going to faithfully carry out or unfaithfully. Yeah, I think that's a really important distinction there. We are called whether or not we want to be mm-hmm. or whether or not we choose to be or whether or not we at times even realize. Mm-hmm. So I think that that really puts the emphasis on seeking to understand what believers are called to mm-hmm. and, and reading God's word and partaking in, you know, study like this to really understand what does it look like to do what God, all the things that God has invited me to do and given me opportunity to do as well. Some people may say, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I'll leave evangelization to people with that gift. They've been gifted for that task. They are called to that. And yet we need to understand that we are all called to evangelize. We are all called to be salt and light. Some people will say, and I've talked with many, particularly young parents, for example, who say, I just don't feel called to be a mom. I don't feel called to be a father. You know, too bad. If you are a father, if you have kids, mm. you are called to yeah. be a father. It doesn't, again, it does not matter what you feel like. There are just some things that we need to understand. The calling is just attached to the identity we have. And really understanding our identity in Christ, our identity as God declares our identity and realizing that that is just a part of the role that we are in. I think back to a story I heard once. It was at a church with a fairly famous music team. And how someone came up to one of the pastors after and said, I'm really feeling called to be on the music team and and be a part of that. And the pastor's response, well, we actually don't have any spots right now. You know, what we really need is someone to help sweeping up the rows and cleaning up the communion cups or something after service. And they said, oh, I might have to think about that. I'm not sure if I'm really called to that. 
Yeah. I mean, what a classic example of like, you know, we are all called to serve in the church. It doesn't, that's not going to look the same for every person and, and realize that we are called to this. We are called to be a part of a local church, to serve in a local church, to love one another, to do all the one another's and how that manifests yeah. might be different than how we want it to or how we think it should or how we feel it should. It should be very telling, at least a yellow flag as to our understanding of the theology of calling when we realize that rarely are people called to those types of jobs you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Rarely does someone stand up and say, oh, I totally feel called to clean the toilets of the church. Sure. I totally feel called to that. Rarely do people do that. Usually they feel, quote unquote, called to a public ministry, a ministry of so-called esteem, right, or honor. And so that right away should alert us to that we're probably misunderstanding what calling means. If you never feel called to the service jobs, by the mm -hmm. way, the Lord was pretty clear on he came to serve. And those who come after him are to be servants, right? The least here are the greatest in the kingdom. I feel like I remember a story about Jesus and foot washing, something like that. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amazing how relevant, yeah, the mm. Bible can be. Yeah. Well, so taking that idea then, Josiah, as it's very clear as we've been talking that there is a clear biblical emphasis on what it means to be called and what it looks like to be called. But I think we can acknowledge as people who have been around the church for a while, and I'm not just talking Oak Ridge, I'm talking about the, the big C, the, the global church been a part of local churches or the Christianity um, umbrella, under the Christian umbrella, there are negative ways that people use the term calling For sure. as well. You know, I think the one I think about the most is God is calling me to date you. I feel like every Christ, bad Christian romance novel or flick has had someone, uh, you know, making that statement of, you know, like, or that youth group moment, everyone's, you know, God's calling me. How can you deny dating me if God's calling me to date you? Um, or perhaps, as I said before, I don't feel like I'm called to serve the church in that way. Oftentimes, I think it gets used as an excuse. If I'm, I'm not called here, I don't want to partake in this, so I'll say I'm not called to this thing, either for something we don't want to do or something maybe we do want to do. At the end of the day, it sounds like it comes down to an issue of maybe discerning God's will mm -hmm. um, or discerning our identity or discerning our place um, or what our, what part we play in the church. And so I guess my question, if I can loop around after that huge description, is how do we distinguish between God's will and something that's just a desire of ours when it comes to calling? And are there times when the two overlap and times where they don't? Yeah, that's a, a good question. And you think about in those conversations when someone throws down the godly trump card mm -hmm. of God called me. How do you do deny this. that, right? Exactly. How do you say no What are you supposed that? to say to that? You know, I, I'm not sure if you're gifted that, that, that way. We don't have a need right now in that way. Yeah, but God called me. Well, then I'm disobedient if I don't heed sure. your desire, right? Mm -hmm. And so the question of discernment of call is very, very practical and, it's important. and important. I'd say first, I want to pray that God would kill in me any self-centeredness that's creeping about trying to highlight my uniqueness and specialness inappropriately. We have, especially in our culture, a desire to be known and to be affirmed for who we are and to, to be, be celebrated. Somebody. To leave a mark, right? Yeah. In many ways, I remember when Facebook first kind of started taking off, that that was kind of, you got to be the star of your own movie. You get mm -hmm. to curate how the world sees you, right? And we want to be careful. I just want to be careful that when I start trying to discern the Lord's will in my life, I'm not participating in any sort of narcissus, we call it, you know, where I'm going to the text of scripture, exegesis would be reading out of the text, the meaning of the text, eisegesis is reading into the text, something that's foreign to the text, narcissus, we say kind of tongue in cheek of, I'm reading myself into the text. You know, I'm the center of everything. Every passage is ultimately about me, not about Christ. And so we want to, I want to avoid that in my life. I want to make sure that I'm not being unnecessarily or 
sinfully self-promoting in a way. And that's something that I think takes a lot of prayer. I want to kill those idols in my life to seek his will. I want to get that out of the way. And so mm-hmm. anytime I try to determine the will of God in my life, you want to kind of avoid that, get yourself out of the equation. I certainly don't want to uh, impede on someone else's will as also when I'm discerning God's will for my life hmm. and step on someone else's Christian liberty. Like you said, I feel like the Lord is calling me to date you or to marry you. Well, all of a sudden I've taken my will, fused it with God's, and I'm going to trample all over your will. Because you might say, uh, I don't feel that same way. Like, you know, I, that doesn't sound right to me. You mm-hmm. say, it doesn't matter. You know, God said this. And so you have to heed God's will or you're a bad Christian. You don't trust the Lord. And that's just really a bullying tactic at times, or it can be, even if it's not meant to, yeah. to bulldoze someone's Christian liberty, that they have a conscience that the Lord is working on, you know, and, and we don't want to, again, stampede all over that for the sake of ours. Very dangerous. We want to try to avoid that. And so in my life, trying to discern God's will, you know, in his calling in my life, there's basically three criteria. And I think these are kind of supported in scripture. I find them more practical, the way that I try to sort out God's will in my life. Three kind of legs to the stool, so to speak. You know, in mm-hmm. I have a bit of a science background in research and triangulation of data is always something you want to get to. If you can find three independent sources that confirm the same conclusion, that's really strong. Mm-hmm. Right? That's really strong triangulation of data. And so I try to do that in my own life, trying to discern God's will. The first criteria I look for is, is there a growing conviction in my life? So let's say, okay, let's say I'm, I want to sing on the praise team. I want to sing on the music team at church. And I feel this growing conviction in my life. You know, I just feel it's a burden that I cannot shake. The more time I spend in God's word, the more time I spend in prayer, I just want to lead God's people in singing his praises. It's just a growing burden. I would say that that's a great start. The Lord lays on our hearts. The Holy Spirit is the helper. The, the, uh, he's going to teach us all things. Great mm-hmm. place to start. Is the Lord leading me in a certain way? That can't be enough though. Yeah. That can't be the trump card. There has to be accompanying sources of that are kind of confirming that call, I would say. Well, I think we've talked about multiple times on this podcast in the past how society has wanted to raise our feelings into the trump card mm-hmm. well if i feel this way therefore it is yeah. and i think that's a great example of like just because you feel something doesn't necessarily mean you need to move forward on that yeah that's right and we want to be careful not to swing the pendulum the other way and say that our feelings and convictions are unimportant to be avoided and so we just want to put them in their godly place mm-hmm. and so we want to be sensitive to the holy spirit prayerfully asking the lord where do you want me to go in my career, my life? Where do you want me to serve? What do you want me to do with this relationship? Whatever the case may be, whatever the blank is that we're trying to fill, mm-hmm. where is this growing conviction in my life? The second leg of the stool, so to speak, would be the provision of opportunity. So I think that the Lord can open doors if he wants you to serve, if he wants to go in a certain direction. He can also close doors. We know that. We've experienced those things. Mm-hmm. And again, left by itself, open doors, closed doors cannot be the sole arbiter of calling. We cannot just leave it to that. But again, when you couple that with a growing conviction, to extend the example, you know, I feel this conviction to lead God's people in in music. uh, And lo and behold, like, I just feel like our church needs someone perhaps. And they've actually put out the word that they're looking for people to consider Mm. this. And all of a sudden, my conviction is met with this possible opportunity, you know, my theological ears are perked up, right? This could be a great thing. Those two realities going together. Now, again, I think there's a third one that we can add to that, and that would be the affirmation of the saints. So what are God's people around me that know me and are praying with me and for me? What are they saying about my maturity level, my ability to handle this task, my ability to do it well? 
And I just think if you bring all of those three voices together, I think we can take confident and still prayerful steps forward, knowing that we are, you know, we're exploring the Lord's will for our lives. But if one of those are missing, I think we should just pause. Don't be afraid to pause and just spend some more time in prayer. Like if I have the opportunity, I have this growing conviction, but the people that know me best are saying, I don't know if that's your best calling. Mm -hmm. There's wisdom in just slowing down. Or if people are saying, yes, totally you need to do that. And the opportunity is there, but I don't have the conviction. You know, sometimes I just need to spend some more time in prayer. Again, this is not an exact science. It's just three things that I've sometimes used to kind of sort out where the Lord wants me to go. Again, underneath the massive umbrellas of clear callings that I have in life. This is more the application of those callings. I don't have an overly unique, special calling. I'm just not that special. I'm not that gifted. I'm not any of those things. In my flesh, I want to believe that I am, but I'm not. I have these grand callings that I'm adhering to. God has said, here's how I want to be worshipped. Here's how I want to be served. Here's how I want the uh, church to do its work. And I, my job is to say, how can I join in in the calling I've already been given with the unique way that the Lord has put me together? And these three ways, I think, can sometimes help us sort out the direction to go, don't neglect the voice of the saints that know you well, that are praying for you. Yeah. This obviously assumes that people people around you know you sure. and are praying for you, which yep. in our day and age, maybe is a, there's a dearth of that. But, you know, what are people saying around you? How do they affirm and are how do they feel the Lord is leading you? Where's that growing conviction? Where are be- doors being open for you to serve? Don't be afraid too to serve in those places. Maybe doors are opening that are just not all that... Glamorous? Glamorous, yeah. <laughs> and that is fine. We need the body of Christ to serve in all different ways. I think that's the best way for people to, for the third thing, for people to get to know you often. Like if you want, if you are part yeah. of a local church and you are thinking about this right now and thinking, man, no one around me is close enough mm-hmm. to me to be able to confirm or affirm or deny kind of a feeling. Well, maybe you need to find one of those less glamorous places yeah. where people are serving to get to know some people. And you know, I have spoken many times about spiritual gifts and you know kind of what, how I process the idea of spiritual giftedness. And I think that in this day and age, we spend too much time trying to discern how I'm, which spiritual gift I have. And we take all these inventories so that I can be assigned one or two divine superpowers mm-hmm. that I can go forward and bless the world with. And I am just a little weary of that. I think it plays into our fleshly appetite to examine ourselves, Mm -hmm. to be the stars of the show. I'm not saying that we're not gifted. I'm just saying instead of spending all that time trying to discern how I'm uniquely gifted to serve, why not just look around at the opportunities that there are to serve and then step forward into that need that you see. There's a need in the church. Here it is. I don't know if I'm gifted that way or not. Honestly, I don't know, but I see the need. I'm convicted about it. I'm going to step forward in faith and trust that the Lord is going to have to gift me to serve in that way, to bless that ministry. That to me, first off, highlights Christ far more than mm-hmm. me. Yeah. And that's how, again, those needs are, are burdens from the Lord at times. So again, it's just taking us out of the center, putting Christ back at the center, putting his mission back at the center and the true macro callings. Yeah. So I think what you were just touching on there is probably going to come to the question that I had to kind of wrap us up, which is that there's kind of this old, maybe cliche saying at this point God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. Do you have any kind of comment on that? Yeah, like so many statements like that, it's pithiness sacrifices clarity Mm -hmm. at times. You can't have both often. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's going on there. It's not untrue Mm -hmm. wholesale, but it lacks some nuance perhaps. Uh, Certainly God equips the called. Certainly he does, you know, with the spirit, with gifts, with the body of Christ, with hope, with preachers, with his word, etc. He equips the called. But surely God also calls the equipped as well. Yeah. Clearly, God was uh, calling David to fight Goliath. And we know later that 
David had been trained in the fields, killing lions and bears. He was not ill-equipped for the task. Did God still help him in that moment? Of course he did. But just to make those two things mutually exclusive are just not, that's not appropriate. I think that is becoming, maybe it's not increasingly common, but maybe I'm just more aware of it now is I feel like I'm seeing more and more, maybe in the social media age, statements like that where it's unnecessarily splitting. It's either this or Mm. this, you know. I saw a post going around for a while. It was like, you know, Jesus didn't die for the people who are living great lives and at church every week and, and love him all the time. He died for those who are hurting and broken and, mm-hmm. and all these things. It's like, well, no, it's it's not one or the other. He died for everybody. Mm-hmm. He didn't just, in the same way that he didn't just die for the people who have their lives together, he also didn't just die for the people whose lives are broken. And I think it's the same thing here. Is we don't want to to risk splitting it in one way or the other. I love the idea behind the saying of like, if God is calling you somewhere, he will equip you. And he is the one, again, it puts the, the emphasis and onus back on him, that he is the one who will provide you and empower you and, and build you up and give you those gifts or skills that you need for that. But we don't want to shy away from, you know, if God has given you equipping, if he has put things in your life, skills, gifts, whatever you want to call it, why would you not use those things to honor him also mm-hmm. and, and pursue the calling that he has given all believers using the things that he has given you? It seems kind of uh, illogical to not use what God's given you yeah. unless you have a specific reason not to, I guess. Yeah. Don't wait for a clear quote unquote calling to start trying to be prepared to meet that calling. Start serving the Lord. And again, I think we need to take our focus off of ourselves and our quote-unquote individual callings, my special mission from the Lord, and instead look at the clear callings he's given to his people and then prayerfully look at your body of believers that you belong to and say, where can I help this group accomplish the call that we've all received together? How do I fit in so that I can further this cause that God has given us and be part of this body that's making this happen. That's so much more a biblical view of calling than the individualistic view we sometimes get sucked into. And honestly, it's a more beautiful, more effective call. How could it not be? It's from God, mm-hmm. right? We actually handcuff ourselves when you get too individualistic. Going back to that idea that I mentioned earlier of the, as we call it, call to ministry, or those who are maybe feeling that conviction towards pastoring or or vocational ministry how would you differentiate that or how would you advise someone who might be listening to this who's maybe been feeling a growing conviction to pursuing seminary or or mission work or vocational ministry first if they are i'm thrilled for that Mm -hmm. that is such an exciting calling i'm a little biased but it's it's a thrilling calling I think that's why I wanted to highlight it here is that I don't want us to focus so much on the the everyone that we miss out on the individual who might be listening to this and trying to discern um, a calling to ministry. In their For life. sure. And that isn't, again, separate. So we have sure. this grand macro calling. How do I fit in? Maybe the Lord is calling me to be a pastor, teacher, a shepherd. Maybe he is one. I'm one of the people that he has given as a gift to the church. Mm-hmm. That's an exciting reality. I would encourage you to continue to pray specifically for that. Search the scriptures, 1st, 2nd Timothy, Titus, see what the expectations are. Pray over those. Say, Lord, I want to be conformed to these expectations, these qualifications. Whether or not I end up serving in a pastoral ministry, these are good things to aspire to. And then get godly men and women around you praying for that same thing and talking with them about it, getting their input. Don't go this solo. Mm -hmm. Get the voices of the redeemed around you, the voices of people who know you, who are praying for you to affirm you. And to eventually, hopefully, lay hands on you and send you out into ministry, whether that's formal pastoral ministry, missionary work, whatever the case may be. 
I just really encourage people to involve the body of mm -hmm. Christ. There's no substitute for mature brothers and sisters in Christ around you, cheering you on, affirming you. At the end of the day, if it if the Lord doesn't lead you in that direction, you still have a group of people that know you, love you, and are affirming wherever you go or cheering you on as you go. That's such an encouragement, so important. And I think by doing something like that, even if that is not the door that God ends up leading you towards, at least you know, right? I think oh. there's nothing worse than that feeling of like, wondering and questioning, is this God's will or not? Is this something that I'm just wanting or something that God wants me to do? Mm -hmm. And having to kind of wrestle with that ambiguity. And I think by purposely putting yourself in situations where you are pursuing what God has clearly called all believers to do and being a part of the local expression of his church, you are connecting with people, surrounding yourself with people so that when that door does close, you'll have people there to support you and care for you and you'll know. And if it does open, then you'll have people there to support you and care for you and you'll know. Again, I know we probably say it all the time, but what a blessing it is to be a part of a local church. And you see the reason that God gave us this expression. And there's beauty also in, as we try to discern our individual calling, whether it's pastoral ministry, serving in other, some other capacity, sharing the gospel with a specific coworker, whatever the case may be, the clarity with which we step forward in those individualistic callings are oftentimes directly related to how we pursue the macro callings. We are all called to pursue holiness. Mm -hmm. We're all called to walk with our Lord. We're all called to be part of a local body of, Christ, of Christians. And so as we lean into the callings we know are there, the individual callings become so much more clear. If I'm not walking and pursuing holiness, the confusion around my individual calling will be greater. Mm -hmm. But if I am leaning into these callings that we all have to be salt and light, to share the gospel, and I'm, I'm really taking seriously what I know God has called all believers to do, those individual callings become have a way of becoming increasingly more clear or less important. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, our self-worship starts to die more and more. And sometimes that's the first thing that has to happen. Well, listener, I hope you feel encouraged by this conversation. I hope maybe we can uh, bring some clarity to one of those uh, ambiguous terms that gets used because really, as we've said today, biblically, it is not ambiguous at all. We are all given an opportunity to be obedient and to follow Christ and choose how faithfully we are going to do that. So my, my prayer for all of you today listening is that you'd spend some time in prayer. Um, I think that first step that you talked about, Josiah, is just so key, being God's word praying, opening yourself up to the movement of the Spirit to to lead and to guide you and to grow those convictions and ultimately just be ready to step out and do. I know it, it maybe feels harder with being separated right now with the state of, of things, but there is plenty that can be done physically at the church or over the phone or in email and, and lots that can be done. Man, what a blessing it is to be a part of serving God's church with other people. It's some of the best friendships I've formed in the churches have come through serving in some capacity. I think it's a great way to get to know people and to get known by people. Um, so Josiah, thank you for, for going through God's word with us today. Until next time, go and be blessed. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are encouraged and learned something new. Visit oakridgebiblechapel.org to listen to sermons and for more information.